Hello, everyone. This is Meredith with a Y, and I am your host, Meredith Willits. Today, we are going to go deep, changing lives, and I am giving you the keys to the castle. Hello, 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 and thank you so much for coming back to Meredith with a Y. I am your host, Meredith Willits, and today I have an extra special guest that I am so blessed to be even talking to. His name is Stephen Kramer Glickman, TikTok famous, Instagram famous, television star, music breakout star, podcast host extraordinaire. And he is here today to share with us his amazing story of changing lanes and changing lives. So thank you so very much for coming today and speaking with us. That is the nicest intro that I have had in quite some time. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for being here. And I'm super excited to talk about your story and and where you've been and where you're going and, and how you got there. Because, I mean, like I told you, we had an, a lovely chat the other day and I just, I kept hearing the word change maker, change maker in my head. And I was like, this guy is doing stuff. I mean, from charity work, I saw that you work on charities and, you know, artists. I mean, truly, truly a Renaissance man. (laughs) I was going through the Wikipedia just to kind of make sure I didn't miss anything. And I'm like, this guy is a Renaissance man. And had lunch with his breakfast with his mom the other day. I mean, uh, oh yeah, for sure. That's thank you for saying that. I, I appreciate it. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a weird thing. But the the older I've gotten and the more I've done, the more I just you know, if man, if I want to do something. If I get excited about doing something, whether it's, you know, a writing project or it's music or it's, you know, an, an acting job or it's a charity or wh- whatever it is, I, I just there's so many hours in the day to be able to throw yourself at different types of things. You know, it's, you know, there there are days where, you know, I think everybody kind of feels this, but it's like there are days where. uh you know it's funny right now i kind of feel like did you ever did you ever watch the office did you ever watch that show there's a there's a scene on the show where uh steve carell michael scott he goes in for a meeting and uh with his boss and his boss is like your branch is doing the best numbers out of all the branches and we just want to know how you're doing it and he doesn't have an answer so he's just like sometimes it's just you know and you just and you figure and you just and then he like cuts to the camera where he's looking right at camera and he goes sometimes you just say uh filler words in <laughs> hopes that it's gonna make <laughs> it's gonna make sense at some point that's how kind of how i felt just now well, I mean, if I can take your breath away, I am in. I am all over it. I hey, I'm raising my hand for that for that job. So I will I will be. Hey, I took Stephen uh, Glickman's uh, breath away today and and got him a kerfluffled. You really did. You really did. I I normally have such great answers, but I, you know, uh, you know, uh, 
Jenna Fisher, the actress from The Office, said uh, in an interview a little while ago, she said something like, you should never apologize for taking up space in the yeah. world. And so true. man, oh man, that hit me so hard because I was like, I, I definitely don't do that. I definitely do not apologize for taking up space, but I've never heard it put into those words and it just it gave me the words to describe the way that I kind of live my life and have lived my life in a really long time Uh, you know for a really long time and uh, when I was uh, younger um, I constantly felt like I had to apologize that I uh, was either networking or making moves that other people weren't able to make uh, or that I was having conversations that I wasn't scared to have that other people maybe would have been more nervous to have. And as I've kind of gotten older, I just, I'm just like, no, I'm going to do whatever I want to do to make things work, you know? And like I, I did this charity event uh, with my podcast. We've been doing a charity event for, uh, four years uh, for Children's Hospital Los Angeles, raising yeah. money for them. And, you know, like just to, as an example, like the first year, it was like, we're going to raise money in the room by getting like some, uh, we're, we'll raise a little bit of money, but we'll get people to donate toys. So people like, we did a toy drive, right. which is like a very cool and simple charity event. Anyone can do it. It takes, you don't have to have any sort of, you know. Everyone's you know, dying to bring toys. It's, it's right, right. Yeah. I, I mean, it's yeah. It's so easy. And people, Everyone loves and people a kid. It's the best. It's the best. It's such a great charity move to do because uh, when kids are in the hospital, they go through Christmas, they go through birthdays, they go through Hanukkah, you know, they go through also, you know, La Posada, all sorts of different holidays that require presents and their family sometimes can't afford the presents. And also they're stuck there. They're trying to, you know, or maybe they have a, a big surgery and they get out, you know, and, and they get an action figure, you know, or a Funko Pop or, or a coloring book or something like this. It makes a huge difference to them, you know? Yeah. So first time we did it and it was really cool. I made a lot of calls and got some uh, friends to come out and help out. And we had some auction items. I think we raised a couple grand, but it was like, Chris Daughtry came out and wow. and uh, put some guitars out for auction, some Fender Stratocasters, and uh, Ashley Green from Twilight showed up. And so it got us in People Magazine, you know, that she was there, which was so sweet. She's the sweetest. And a couple other, couple other cool people, right? Second year, it was like, okay, we'll do the toy drive part, bring the toys, but also let's get some auction items and we'll just you know kind of auction them off and and try it'll they'll be like fun experience type things and that one did better and we raised like some more money and then the third year it was like well why am i why am i getting people to donate toys let's call companies and ask companies to donate toys so like i called well i called I tried to call some companies like Lego, places like this, but I also called all the toy stores in Los Angeles, uh, you know, where it was like Toys R Us or like just random toy companies, right? Like places that just had stuff. 
they started donating stuff. So like things got bigger and better and we raised, uh, you know, like around uh, 20, like around, somewhere around $25,000 for a children's hospital that night. And then the last, the, the last one that we did, it was like, let's not call the store. Let's call Mattel. Let's call Hasbro. <laughs> Let's guns. call Lego in, you know, in the, you know, in like the Netherlands or, uh, you know, Switzerland, like let's call the main corporate office and pitch to them. Yeah. And uh, Lego sent 1000 individually packaged minifigures that were shipped in crates directly to the hospital. And then um, the, the Dodgers, like some of the Dodgers came out and hand delivered them to all the kids mm. at the hospital which is crazy, you know? <laughs> and then it was like, okay, we're going to auction off a guitar, not just a guitar. Let's get Gene Simmons. And so Gene gave us one of his big giant axes. Um, Kobe Bryant, right before he passed away, donated us an autographed Jersey. Wow. Um, we had so many so much insane stuff. We had an autographed baseball from the set of Bull Durham signed by Kevin Costner and students Sarandon. We had a signed pair of, of, uh, of Sylvester Stallone shorts from uh, uh, what's it called from uh, freaking Rocky, like <laughs> so many insane things. And then just massive Funko donated hundreds, hundreds of toys to, to the hospital in our name. And like, it was just pure. We, I think all together over the past couple of years, we're, we're in the $70,000 to $80,000 that we've gotten donated to the hospital. And it has completely been from just not, giving a shit and making or, or giving a gift, like actually giving a shit, but like not caring that you're going to bother somebody. Right. And that Taking you're up all the space you want. <laughs> just, yeah. Just... Man, stepping out of the, stepping out of the norm, the normal way of doing things and really making a, 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 a crazy effort to, to, you know, push as far as you possibly can. And, and, and it's like, and it's also that whole like thing of like, if you have the ability to do something and you don't do it, then there's something, then it's wrong. You know, yeah. like if you can do a good thing and you can, you don't do it, then you're, there's something wrong with you. And I think that's like, you know, there, and sometimes it's just little stuff like a friend of mine who runs a beautiful charity, this guy, Steve Simone, uh, he, uh, he had, a, a, there was a little kid that was a, having trouble with his make a wish and they were, they were trying to get connected to the WWE to do something. Yeah. And um, they were just, they were having a, a bit of a tricky time. And I was like, I think I'm friends with the, the CEO of WWE on my, <laughs> or like one of the CFO on LinkedIn. And I like went on LinkedIn and I was like, I am. And I like wrote him and he, and I connected him with the folks and they fixed it and they were able to make something really cool happen. But, see, but, but it's like, yeah. And that's what I'm talking about. Cool. Like when I was, yeah, when I was looking at your stuff and I know this is going to sound stupid, but like even so much as like, you know, I hope everyone goes and follows him on, follows you on, on TikTok because your content is super fun. It's super oh, light thanks. and it's also heavy, which we're going to talk about and sure, sure. in a good way. But like even when you paint 
something and someone like buys it kind of and then you you have them on though and you show them and they you're over there talking about them getting your painting and and you're signing oh, the like, back of it you don't it, need to do that so, I, it's so fun I, I it was literally because my mom was in visiting and she was like what do you have this painting? Uh, I was like, a painting I did of Boba Fett. And she was like, why do you still have this? You should get rid of this or give it away or sell it or something. And I was like, it's been sitting in behind my couch for like five years. Like, right. I don't know what to do with it. And uh, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to make a video and I'll post it on TikTok and see if anybody wants it. I just made a video and I was like, make me an offer. Anyone want it? And I've done that before on stuff like, you know, on facebook and you know my friends will be like oh give me five bucks you know and you're just like damn that's turds you know, what a waste of a post <laughs> but then on tiktok someone bought it like for 200 bucks like 10 minutes later and yeah. i was like whoa whoa and then because they did that i took the 200 bucks went to a like a craft store and i bought 200 worth of paint and pens and canvases and I was like I'm just gonna sit and I'm gonna take a couple days here and there while I'm you know it's in the rainy days sometime in LA and I was like I'm just gonna sit here and paint and uh I just Mandalorian had just finished so everyone's excited about Star Wars and I I'm a big Star Wars nerd so I was like I guess I'll just do this and I was just doing it for fun and I I'm still doing it for fun because it's like now I've sold seven paintings on TikTok. If this interview would have been like five years ago and I've been like, oh, and by the way, you're going to be selling artwork. (laughs) What? I I mean, it's so weird. It's It's so weird. But I love it. I love having like little, you know, like right now I have. So I'm doing these uh, figurines that are uh, they're they're 3D printed in resin of my character that I did on Nickelodeon. Gustavo. And yeah, and I teamed up with a guy out in uh, uh, Kansas, and uh, he's been printing them out there, and then shipping them to me, and then I hand paint them out here, and then I sign them, and I put them in these little cool display boxes, and then and then ship them off to people, and I. I was just like, I'm just going to put them all on eBay and advertise them on TikTok and let fans get them if they want them. And it's been really cool. It's just like, it's like, I won't do it forever, but right. it's fun. it's a fun thing to have a fun extra outlet, you know, and something to, to keep. Yeah. keep and that, and Gustavo, that's from your TV show that you were a huge character. I mean, big time rush on Nickelodeon sure. for fi- oh, five years ran. I mean, that's that's a lifetime in TV. And I mean, that's amazing, right? And then right. I also saw, not only do you have your figurines, which I'm sure you're making that guy's day, who's making the resin characters. So like, oh, again- He's making my day. Again. But I also saw that you had a, whatever you call it, a, a teamwork here uh, with a clothing collaboration with Hot Topic. For the same character. Yeah, yeah, you bet. That and that literally was that literally was I have always I've made I I made t-shirts of my character 
when I was on the show mm-hmm. and legally I was allowed to do that because it was in my contract that I could, I could make merch of myself. And the network was like, who gives a shit? Like, right. they were like, who would ever buy something of this guy? The plot you know, like, thickens. Some... Yeah. And then I, and then I was like, Oh, um, it was right around the time when Exit Through the Gift Shop happened and Banksy became like a big star and pop art became like a, you know, spray paint artwork, all that kind of stuff became like a big deal. And uh, I hired a guy who made some artwork for me and I made some artwork myself and uh, we started putting it on T-shirts and and then I put the T-shirts, I'd go to like, Nickelodeon and Disney stars. I go, Hey, would you wear a sh- this shirt with my character from the show on it? And they go, yeah. And then I go, and I'll like, I'll pay you if you let me bring a photographer in to shoot like professional photographs of you wearing the, the shirt. Yeah. And uh, the guys on my show were like, yeah, yeah, whatever, you know, we'll do it for you. And then I took those photos and then sold those photos to all the teen pop magazines, all the bop mm-hmm. and tiger beat, all that kind of stuff. And they became posters in the magazines. And then I used the photos, like the photos of the magazine to then sell more shirts and i sold a ton of stuff <laughs> and it was the network was so pissed they were <laughs> they sent a cease and desist to their own star of their own show Stop. like during the taping of the show like sent a cease and desist to my lawyer and my lawyer wrote back he has full right to do this. Yeah. Here's the it's a dumb idea until it's a good idea. It's a you know what I mean? Like, hey, yeah, you know, what is it? While the iron's hot, right? You know what I mean? Like that's I mean, I wouldn't have if there would have been no need for me to do it if they had made merch. But right. God bless Nickelodeon, but they are at the time they were morons about making merch for the most popular television shows on their network. Yeah. There was almost no iCarly merch. There was almost no Victorious merch and literally nothing for Big Time Rush. And we were we were pulling in 9 million people a week watching the show in, Who just have, in America. Yeah, pain. And it was like, yep. come on, guys. So Figurines, I, was, I mean, and did we learn nothing from NSYNC? I mean, come on. <laughs> come on, guys. So yeah, I, I, you know, I was doing that. And then the whole time I was like, man, if I could get this into Hot Topic, I, I would be, I, I would make a million dollars. Like this would be such a huge deal. And I reached out to everyone there and there was no interest. And I was like, okay, all right. And so I just did it myself, tried it myself. And then once my social media started getting big and I started getting, you know, at, at the time I was at around a little around half a million followers on social I, uh, I was like, you know, I'm going to try it again. Mm-hmm. But this time I used LinkedIn. I went on there, went to Hot Topics company page. And then I looked, it says, you know, there are 1,200 employees of Hot Topic on LinkedIn. So you click the number and then it gives you the list of everyone who works at Hot Topic. And then I just friended every single person on, on the list. All thousands. Listen, kids, people, listen, right? this is how it happens, kids. This is how you do it, kids. 
Mm-hmm. This is how there's a, a way to make it work. Yep. And of the let's say I let's say I I friended a thousand people. Of the thousand people that I friended, two hundred of them agreed to be friends with me. Of the two hundred, I sent then I sent an email a message on the website to all two hundred people. Of the two hundred people I messaged, one person, one employee wrote back, oh my God, it's Gustavo from Big Time Rush. I love you. Oh my God, we would love to do. Let me call, let me tell my boss, blah, 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 blah. Everyone else either didn't respond or just said no right away. But one lady was like, I love you. And that is what got me in the door there. And then I went in and met with them and then sold them the concept of doing shirts. And now they have six designs of, of mine that are my face and my stuff on there. And it's so fun and so cool. And, you know, I've made a little, like a little bit of money from it. Like it's been okay, but it's uh, it for me, really, it's just that it was like, your head on a I, shirt at Hot Topic. This is our childhood. I mean, oh, you get come it. On. You know. Oh my God, are you kidding me? I <laughs> I would go there all the time. I mean, it's my favorite store in the mall. So right? you know, being able being able to have that and uh, it, you know, it's just it means so much to me. It's so cool. I love it. I, I mean, love you it. Literally, it's like. I mean, most people would have been like, hey, I was on a TV show. I know you've worked with, you said, Jennifer Aniston on, was that a movie? And I mean, painting and okay, now you've got your face on a t-shirt and you're doing this and you have your podcast. And then 2020, COVID. Boom. 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 Rough. Rough. 2020 was a... 2020 was a, uh, a a hard year, but I gotta be honest. I thank God for 2020. A lot of things, a lot of things happened in that year that are very, very difficult. But uh, man, you know, through fire, you know, you you get stronger. You make better choices. Your life. You know, can I not every I, there are a lot of people who lost. I don't want to say that and be insensitive. I mean, a lot of people lost loved ones and a lot of people didn't make it through the year. And it is a, that is a horrendous, horrendous thing. Yeah. I went through a breakup in 2020 uh, after nine years with somebody. And it was really a, a big, a big one. Like it was, a, you know, like we lived together and then suddenly I was on my own and, uh, you know, it was, it was, that was super, super difficult. Yeah. But that being said, I got, you know, I came out the other side really knowing, like I'm knowing myself a lot better. Yeah. And, uh, I got, I'm super, I'm super, super lucky that, because I'm in the writer's guild, I was able to get a therapist and like have someone to talk to every, uh, you know, once a week that really, really, really helped having that. And then I have an incredible support system with like family and friends and my ex and I are friends. Like we're, 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 you know, like we're cool, but it definitely was like a big, big, big life change. Yeah. And, uh, I feel better now 
in my life than I than I I have felt for a very very long time. I mean, it's been. Do you think you would have went to therapy had you not had the breakup? I mean, and then I mean I had. I had already been to therapy a couple of times, you know, for different things throughout my life. Like when I, when I got on big time rush, uh, so many things changed in my life in such a quick thing. I mean, I went from being this broke, uh, standup comic, you know, working for $5 an hour, literally, I think I was getting five fifty an hour to work at the comedy store. I love it. And it was, you know, you know, I was just, just barely squeaking by to then making more money than I had ever made in my life. And suddenly right. having more money than I have bills and, you know, just uh, this crazy, huge life change. I, I, there was a lot of emotional things that kind of went with that. Yeah. And uh, so I got a therapist back then and it was super helpful and kind of helped me adjust and figure out how to do things right. And how to, you know, deal with, I, I mean, even just as weirdly as like, women that I was that I had asked out on dates when I was not on a TV show mm-hmm. suddenly were interested in me Hello. and hit me up. hi I'm here <laughs> remember me yeah, and you go you're you're like you're like is what am, what are you supposed to do do you not talk to them like do you go out with them like is it yeah. okay to feel like that's not a good idea like like what the hell like there's so many Thanks. Right. How do you swim through all that? And I mean, when you're talking about this, I'm sitting here looking around. I'm like, if, if it was mandatory for every person that went through that huge life change that you went through by being on that show and going and wait, where are all these girls coming from again? I went through the therapy. They probably saved themselves a lot of addiction issues and pain and torture by helping them. Oh, yeah walk through it and know how to walk through it and know how to manage those thoughts and feelings. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, just, just to make sense out of something before I was on the show, I had like five or six t-shirts in my closet. Right. Uh, they were all shirts I had bought at hot topic, literally That's awesome. bands. They were band t-shirts of mm-hmm. bands that I don't listen to. They were just <laughs> in the, in the pile for like $5 shirts or whatever. Right. So I had those and I had a coat that was kind of old and kind of ratty and um, a, one pair of sneakers. And I had one pair of nice shoes. And um, I think I had a, a brown suit and that was my entire wardrobe was that. And then I started doing the TV show and I got sponsored by a company uh, called LRG and LRG. The first shipment they sent me was 150 t-shirts, sweaters, and jackets. And I was beyond words. Like I was like, what I, I started giving them away to people. I put them in my trunk. I was like, what am I supposed to do with all of this clothing? Like I can't wear all of this. Like it was, it felt insane. And then yeah. it was like, and then I got sponsored by Kangle and Kangle was like, Oh, we'll send you some hats. And it was like, you know, like 40 hats every, every three months. Wow. It, it's, it's now been 11 years and they still, they still send around 30 hats every three months it's like and the it's amazon like, oh, auto ship they got you on auto ship <laughs> yes, seriously seriously and it's awesome 
it's an awesome awesome thing but it definitely like you know when you're when you grow up when you when you don't you know you you, you need to adjust and you you know there's there's moments yeah. in there where you need uh, to readjust and i think therapy is always a perfectly good thing i think therapy really helped me through the through the breakup i i'm i think i started it exactly at the right time yeah because it was kind of like you know when I would talk to a therapist before uh the breakup the, mm-hmm. the therapist would be like yeah I don't know how you're gonna make this fix this like this I don't know how you can fix this situation that you're in like yeah. they just because it wasn't a great it, it was it, we had we had some issues and they were really you know base level you know foundation yeah foundation yeah yeah but she's a great you know she's a great yeah. person and we're still very good friends and it, it it happens you know okay so we got the breakup we're in covid we're in the house oh, way then, too much what then i get then i get covid oh yeah then right you got the covid p.s there's that and so like let's be on lockdown legit and not feel well let's lose our smell oh, yeah. and taste and, because why not yeah, then you're depressed and alone, and it, which is <laughs> just perfect awesome. storm. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Add um, a little spice. <laughs> oh, you got, you got to do like, that TikTok. <laughs> oh yeah, they're like, you enjoy feeling alone. Well, now you're actually alone. Now you can't leave, and you're just <laughs> like, I mean, I oh my god, I was just stuck. I couldn't go anywhere. I was like, it was so depressing. What ended up happening was, which is the most bizarre thing, is um, freaking TikTok. I had made a TikTok with uh, these two girls that one of them has three million, one of them had four million followers. Um, just like a funny video that I made with them. The, that video, while I was sitting there, uh, by the way, also, one of the girls gave me coronavirus, which... <laughs> The gift that keeps on giving. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She didn't know that she had it, but she gave it to me by hanging out near me. uh, (laughs) So we could make a comedy sketch for TikTok. So thanks a lot. Uh, And you're welcome, TikTok. TikTok kills. (laughs) That that video while I was in quarantine uh, did 17 million views. 17 million views. And I watched my following on TikTok go from around 300,000 to 1 million. And so I hit a million followers while I was sick. And the one thing that I'm super lucky, I mean, lots of things I'm lucky, but about when it comes to being sick with COVID, it didn't affect my throat. So uh, I wasn't coughing. I just had a night, I had a fever, but I didn't have the the coughing. Mm -hmm. And so I was uh, able to still sing. You know, I had been kind of, I had found a million reasons, Meredith, a million reasons to not be singing and playing the piano and making music and releasing an album, any of that. So I had a million reasons to not do it. To stay in your lane. Why would anyone give, I don't know if we can use bad language out there, but why would anyone give a shit about a 41-year-old guy who played the adult on the music 
big time rush show. Like I never, I was the joke on the show, the boys on the show, the four boys, they were the musicians and I was their manager. So why would fans ever care if I did music? Like that doesn't make any sense. That's number one. Number two, my little sister is a real musician. Like, do we have a name or a band we can plug her to? I mean, yes, uh, she her band is called Hey King, and she's at Anti Records. Her entire her her album that Anti Epitaph Records just put out is produced by Ben Harper, and I mean, she scores and writes all the stuff, and it's there's I mean full orchestras that play on her stuff. It's her and her girlfriend are the band and they too i've i've gone and watched them perform in front of you know ten thousand people you know at a, at a time every right. every show it's like five thousand ten thousand eight thousand twelve thousand you know so you look at that you're like okay well we already have that in the family like i'm not gonna <laughs> i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do that you know and they're there and you know but she was always my sister was always very like you know going like oh you should make music you should make music. she was always very you know pushing me to do that but I mean, you're classically trained. I mean, you went to school for acting and music. I mean, you yeah, did this. This I isn't, to this isn't totally crazy that you're putting your toe in here. Yeah. It just felt like, what's the, what's the point, you know? And then... Scary? Forced? Vulnerable? I mean, there's always a point, but... Vulnerable. I mean, it's it's very, you know, it's also, it's like, the stuff that I, if I was going to record an album, then I'd want to sing songs that mean something to me. And I don't write music, so I'd be singing covers of other people's stuff. And it was like the songs I'd want to sing are like Billie Eilish or Post Malone oh. or uh, or Radiohead, you know, stuff like that. And it's like I was like, I just it just felt scary to do something <laughs> like that. And vulnerable just, so vulnerable so vulnerable and then uh i i, I one night i was like uh, i was like oh I, oh I just hit a million followers and i'm like sick like a sick at you know in 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 bed and a friend of mine was like oh you know you can go live on tiktok and i was like oh i didn't know that and they were like yeah you should do a live you should go live and uh and I was like, oh, okay. And I like took my phone out and I was like, I'm going to sit at the piano. I'm going to go live and then I'll just take song requests. And that'll be fun. It'll be like piano bar, you know, where you sit at a piano bar and you, you say, oh, I want to hear this, you know? And so uh, I sit down at the piano, I go live and uh, 42,000 people tuned in. I mean, 42,000 people. For a, I was on for a half hour. I love that and so I, much. It's so many people. <laughs> That's 32,000 more than your sister. <gasps> oh, oh, God. For oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Hilarious. I, I was just sitting there just like, I, I was like, okay, I'll take a song request. And then the people would say a, a, a songs, but it was going like this. The yeah. the. It, so I would like touch it, just try to slow it down. And I'd right. look and I'd go, okay, uh, I guess I'll do, you know, uh, I guess I'll do this, you know, this song or whatever. And so I started doing songs for people and um, 
I did uh, A Thousand Years by Christina Perry. And then I did Losing My Religion by R.E.M. And then I did, uh, I was like, oh, I'm going to do one that I pick. And I, I did uh, a Radiohead song. And it just, and then people were screen recording the performances with yeah. their phone and then posting it and tagging me. And I was like, oh, this is pretty crazy. And then the second time I did it, two days later, it was like 50, 54,000 people. I mean, and, that's um, a stadium. P.S. That's a stadium a of people. Let's just go there for a minute. It is. It really is. It's a, it is. It's a hell of a lot of people. A hell of a lot of people. Yeah. It made me feel so good and made me feel like I, and then I was like, maybe I should make a fucking album. Like, what right. am I doing? And uh, I spoke to um, Greg Collins who is the record producer that that uh, won the Grammy for best album of the year for producing U2. And uh, he's a friend of, of mine through Jeff Ross, the roast master comedian guy. Mm-hmm. He, him and I spoke and he was like, you should do a whole, uh, should make a whole album. We should make an album together and I'll master it and I'll uh, mix it. And I was like, <laughs> well, of course, I mean, it's Tuesday. <laughs> totally. And it was like, okay. And then uh, Casey Abrams from American Idol is a very good friend. And him and I have collaborated a bunch. And he plays every instrument known to man. And I called him and I was like, hey, do you want to do some songs together? And he was like, yeah. And then he was he was like, do you know where to record? And I was like, no. And he's like, I got a great place. And he hooked me up with a great recording studio, great engineer. And then Rachel Grace, the violinist for the Foo Fighters, Mm. It lives in my building and uh, her and I are good friends. So I hit her up and I was like, do you want to do something together? And she was like, totally, I'll do a song. And then Jesse Green, who's the violinist, she's played for REM and she, she came on and we did, I think we did four songs together and it's just been like so much fun. Uh, the, the best part of it is that like, I, literally uh wake up sometimes and i'm like oh man you know what song i always loved is this this song and then i you know i always loved you know you know i'll be by uh edwin mccain and i was like you know i'm gonna i'm gonna go do that and then I call the recording studio. I'm like, can I come in? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, tomorrow. And I'm like, sounds great. And I work on it. And I go in the next day, knock out a track. And I send the track to Casey or to Jesse or one of these people I work with. Mm-hmm. Then they record their parts. I've never seen them in person. Right. And then, and then they, uh, you know, they send then Then we send it back to the mixer. Then he mixes it or masters it. And then, and then I can put it out and watch fans get excited about it and and it's just been like i just love it i love having something tangible that i can i can show people you know it sounds so free like freeing too like literally there's a seed planted in the morning inside of you and you just can run with it and there's no red tape there's no tv and schedules and contracts it's kind of like holy shit like this can just come from me Yeah, you can just like, and you know, back in the day, if you wanted to do a cover of a song, you would have to go to the label to get the rights to 
to re-record the song and it, you'd have to pay for the rights. You'd have to do this. It was like a whole giant pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. These days, there's a company called DistroKid. And what you do is you just go on there. You After you record the song, you go, this is my cover. And they go, okay, uh, who's the artist who created the song? You go, the artist is Radiohead. And they go, okay, uh, that'll be, you know, $18. And you go, here's $18. <laughs> and then they go, okay. Um, and then when they when the song gets released on Spotify and all these places, the, they are the ones who divvy up the the mm. right the the money so the money they they set among the money aside for them and then the cool thing that i get to do is that like if i'm teaming up with an artist i can be like 50 percent or or 25 percent or whatever you know of of the thing you know so it's not like this big huge upfront this thing could flop I don't really want to invest $3,000 to buy the rights to sing this song. It's more like, Hey, let's see what happens. We'll, you know, try it. And it's no harm, no foul. If I benefit great. If I don't, I'm not out a billion dollars. Totally. Totally. Absolutely. Which is like total freedom. Yeah. Yeah. It's so nice. It's such a nice change. And so you've been a stand-up comic also for 20 20 years, 25 years, uh, 16, 16 years, 16 years. You've been doing stand up comedy. And it's funny because it's like this perfect storm breakup, COVID, you know, you can't leave the house. Nothing's working. There's no stand up comedy. And so like being a creative, it's just bubbling and bubbling and bubbling and bubbling inside of you. And here it comes. It needs to come out. It ca- And it could either come out as art or it can come out as negative or what. And here instead, it's like it literally had to come out. It like it. Absolutely. Like and the that, exorcism. You know, during, it just keeps coming out in all sorts of different fun and creative ways, whether it's writing or it's music or it's producing or it's uh you know uh acting or auditioning or whatever it is it just kind of keeps coming out in fun weird quirky ways and i'm i'm super lucky that 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 i have the opportunity to be able to do that kind of stuff because not everybody does like sometimes you know i also like to have those kind of skills too to be able to use them to you know to uh, to have the outlets and do that, you know, is really really nice. It's I mean, really and you have the thing. connections, but you you did the work, you know, like when I'm like watching the, you know, we and we I have two older kids, and my husband and I were always like, you gotta friend them on LinkedIn, you gotta follow it up with an email, you gotta, and we sit there and tell them the older kids these things, and they just go, yeah, 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 and roll their eyes, and like you did the work, you know, you you you're doing it. You're it's not just oh, and my friends are like the Foo Fighters and U two and Casey. It's not like that. It didn't start no. that way. Like you did the work. You you did it. It has to come from a real place it has to right. start with real stuff and you know i'm you know like it, it just like when i started the music thing it was like i, I if you asked me who i knew in the music industry when we started when i right when i started i would have been like i have my sister knows some people because she works in it i met randy jackson one time <laughs> 
I don't know. Like, I don't know. I guess Casey, Casey and I have worked together a couple of times, but I really, I mean, and then after a little while you start thinking, you start really doing a deep dive and you're mm-hmm. like, Oh, I guess I do know some real people that, that really are really significant in the music industry or, or do really, I do know musicians, you know, and like, or I do know some recording engineers or I do know this. And like, you start, you start putting like, but a lot of that is because of confidence of just uh, not, not feeling confident about something. It's like, it's like uh, today I have a table read for something that I wrote with a, with a friend. And when we started putting together the table read for today, I was like, well, I guess I'll just, you know, maybe I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll make, I'll, I'll call like a friend, you know, to see if someone will do something as a favor, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, cause, cause you're, you're not feeling very confident about it. But then after a couple minutes, you're like, well, wait a second, you know, if we're going to have a table read, let's, let's, you know, let's, let's go for the best. Let's go for the biggest and the best that we can get. And before you know it, you have a cast of hugely famous people that are all taking their, their day to, to, and you're talking to their agents and negotiating, making sure that they're all comfortable with, you know, doing this, this thing. And you're like, it's, it is like confidence is a very, underrated thing and like uh, i i think uh, a lot of us sell ourselves short you know i know i have and and and, you know i i know uh, i have a lot of friends that are super talented but they sell themselves short you know they just go "Eh, it'll you know it's not worth making the 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 effort you know um or you said i I mean like with with your podcast sorry to interrupt you said with your podcast like that's how you started you're like who's in my phone Who's in my phone? 100%. 100%. It's like, I wasn't, you know, I mean, I was trying to play it smart too, but I was like, you know, you start, start small, start with who you're friends with, start with people that you kind of know and, and then build with, you know, build from there. Take, uh, you know, I mean, you, you know, when, whenever we would do a show, we, you know, we have a new person that gets added to the pitch list of who, you know, when we go to the next person, like when, you know, a, a few months into doing the podcast, it would have been like, oh, uh, you know, Marsha Gay Harden, we really want you to be on our show. So far, we've had Keith David uh, from They Live and we've had John Heater from Napoleon Dynamite, you know, like, yeah. Jonathan Banks from Better Call Saul. I saw that. Like in the beginning, it was like we had a Mm. couple people and then we were pitching to her. And then and then now when we pitch the show, it's like it's we're almost 200 episodes in. We could pitch to anybody in the world and be and be fully confident that we're valuable enough that we can that we can do it because because of who's done it in the past, but it like, it takes time. It, it really, really takes time. And it takes like, you know, doing weird stuff and, you know, asking, you know, you know, asking hard questions and getting press and, you know, doing all sorts of, we've had a lot of weird 
guests on that show. I love, I love the nighttime show. It's like my favorites nowadays doing the show. It's like probably one of my favorite things I get to do in my life because we get, we do what we'll do is, is like, for example, like, okay, we'll sit around me and the guys on the show. And we'll be like, who do we want to talk to that we've always wanted to meet, you know? And then, uh, and then my friend, Matt, he'll be like, I want to talk to, you know, Jean, Jean-Luc Picard. I want to talk to Patrick, Patrick Stewart, you know, mm-hmm. I'll go, okay. All right. And uh, Mike, who do you want to talk to? And he'll be like, uh, I want to talk to Mark Hamill, you know, start from star Wars, you right. know? And then um, Mike Glazer will, will be like, who do you want to talk to? And he'll be like, uh, I want to talk to, you know, Steve Carell. You know, and then we'll be like, okay, all right, well, let's just go and bother their publicists and see what they'll say, you know? Right. And then a couple, and then like, you know, sometimes it's a month, sometimes it's a year, sometimes it's a week. And then suddenly, uh, you know, yesterday I'm sitting there doing a podcast with two of my best friends. And we're interviewing John Reese Davies from Lord of the Rings right. and Indiana Jones. And it's so much fun right. because we're such huge, giant nerds. So we're just asking. It's like you, you get to you, someone you're a fan of. You get to ask them an hour's worth of nerdy questions. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my God. Some of these people, we drive them crazy with our nerdy stuff, you know? Um, but, but that's like, what makes such a great interview. I mean, look at Howard Stern. I mean, he's literally the king of nerdy McNerdersons with all his staff. That's just, but he's so curious and he's such a fan and he wants to know every detail. And that's what oh to me makes such a good interview is really wanting more. It's, uh, why why more give me more i want to know everything i mean that's what makes it great everything yeah my my favorite my favorite was or what my one of my recent favorites i'll say that uh mm-hmm. was peter bogdanovich the oscar nominee uh he he is famous for uh a movie called the last picture show mm-hmm. um but he also directed the last Orson Welles movie. And he is, he was best friends with Orson Welles and he worked very closely with Alfred Hitchcock. Mm. And he is uh, one of the, he's from, he was a director, but he has a, 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 a series of directors that were like the new wave directors in the seventies and eighties. And it was him. He was part of this, group it's him francis ford coppola martin scorsese uh, all these folks and so it's like he's a very interesting guy right but but where it gets interesting is being able to go like uh tell us your favorite story about alfred hitchcock and then or tell us your favorite story about eating lunch what's it like to eat lunch with orson wells and he'd be like he he said uh that him and Orson Welles were shooting a movie and it came time to wrap for lunch. And he said, uh, Orson Welles said, uh, well, if all of you want to wrap and go off and enjoy your lunch, then God 
damn you can do whatever you want, but I'm going to stay here and I'm going to keep working on this picture. Who is going to join me? Who will sit with me and continue working on this film? Who doesn't care about lunch? And Peter goes, I'll stay with you. And everyone else left, you know? So uh-huh. it's just the two of them sitting there. And then he goes, uh, I can't. thank you, Peter, for staying with me during this difficult time. Everyone is so obsessed with their breaks, but not you and I. We are true filmmakers. Are you hungry? And Peter was like, yes. <laughs> and he goes, me too. Let's go get something to eat. And then <laughs> they went into the break room and they were looking for food and they found a gigantic bag of Fritos and Orson Welles opened the bag of Fritos, poured it out on the table and just starts eating the Fritos, and while he's shoving them in his face, he turns to Peter Bogdanovich and goes, you don't gain weight if people aren't watching. (laughs) (laughs) Stop it right now. It's so good. It's so good. Or like, we had Bruce Valanche on the Uh, show. uh Bruce Valanche wrote every single line of dialogue Bette Midler has ever said in any movie or television show. Ugh. He wrote all of her stuff. He was her personal writer. He wrote the all the jokes for the Oscars and the Emmys and the, and the Tony Awards for 30 years. Head writer. And he was the middle square on Hollywood Squares. Well, there's and, that. Um, the guy is just a legend. And so, but while we're interviewing him, we're like, it says in your credits that you worked on the Paul Lind Halloween special. You know, you know, do you remember Paul Lind? No. He was uh, he was the dad in the movie Bye Bye Birdie. He talked like this. He was also in the in the show Bewitched. He was okay. uh, the uncle. Um, oh so yeah, 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 yeah. That guy. Yep. So, we're like, what, what, what was that like to to work on the Poland Halloween special? Any memories of that? And he told us a story that one of the cast members of that of that show, the Poland Halloween special, is Margaret Hamilton, okay, who played the Wicked Witch of the West in the movie The Wizard of Oz. Stop it. So he told us a story that Margaret Hamilton told to him about working with W.C. Fields when she was a kid. And no one had ever heard this story. And and it's like, it's, that's, that's my favorite part about doing podcasting is that yeah. like, you can, you can uncover some gems and learn some things, you know, from people and stuff. And the, the, the takeaway with the W.C. Fields thing uh, just to paraphrase it, but it was that W.C. Fields would, and when he made movies, he would put in, he'd have a lot of dirty jokes in his movies, mm-hmm. but he would always put in a joke that was so offensive, so horrible, and like just demeaning and disgusting that the studio would, of course, tell him and they'd have to take it out once, uh, once they had shot it, you know? Mm-hmm. And he would use that as a bargaining chip to keep other dirty jokes in the movie, which is something that tons of famous directors and people have done since then. But he was kind of the first one to ever do it. So that was pretty cool. Like, you know, just 
I love I love learning and I, I love Hollywood and I love the industry and all the bizarre, you know, the, all the bizarre pieces of the business. And, you know, sometimes you uncover really sorry to talk your ear off about this, but I love it. Please keep going. You un- uncover like stuff that is like really phenomenal. Like there's been a lot of really incredible things. I mean, when we had Joey Fatone on the show from NSYNC, hearing him tell um, you know, knowing that how badly NSYNC was screwed over by their manager yeah. is, is, you know, is pretty well-known crazy stuff. But what I didn't know, you know, which we learned on the show was his manager, that guy, Lou Perlman, yeah. um, in the contracts, uh, he made himself the sixth member of the band. So, so does he double dipping? It, well, he was triple dipping. He oh, right. he fired their lawyer, so he was doing all the the legal work. So he was taking that percentage and his manager percentage. But then on top of all of that, if like let's say the bo- like the the contract for the music video was all the guys get their own, you know, uh, brand new clothing and they all get a brand new motorcycle as part of the deal, he Lou Perlman would would also get the exact same thing for himself because in all the deals he was an equal part to them so he would get paid the same amount and he would get all the fun extras and things that they would get and none of the guys knew that that was going on but that's that's what he did it was fucking crazy man he was a bad guy and he is dead i was gonna say i said i thought that he was dead i mean Parting yeah. is such sweet sour sorrow. One of the things that I was looking at, which I really, I just wanted to touch because I know that a lot of people are kind of dealing with this right now, but you recorded uh, How to Save a Life by The Fray. Sure. And you were talking to, is that the lead singer of The Fray on TikTok? Oh, no, no, Kendall. Uh, Kendall was on Big Time Rush with me. Oh, okay, he actually, yeah. Yeah, he produced the uh the track he made all the music for it and um yeah 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 and you Um, picked that for a reason yeah yeah you know how to save a life is a uh it was it was the song whenever i would say hey guys what song do you want me to hear next or what song do you want me to do and i'd put it up on instagram or this that how to save a life just kept popping up again and again and again and again and again and i knew the song but i didn't really care that much about it i just was like oh it's a good song but you know it, it to me at the time it just it just was like another song words and yeah. then i and then i but i also hadn't listened to it in a really long time and i decided to like you know oh you know i'll listen i'll listen to it and i'll uh, i'll look at the lyrics and the stuff and once i started looking at it i was like oh my god this is this is a very serious song yeah uh, about you know like suicide and people and like trying to prevent someone from killing themselves or overdosing or going to rehab or going back to rehab like it is very heavy and i had uh my friend brody stevens who's a stand-up comedian he took his own life uh a couple years ago and uh he was a very good friend and he was on nighttime show on our live show many many times and uh, but we had worked together. We had worked together a lot, but we were just very good friends. And 
uh, we performed together so many times and it just, I knew that he had got, was going through a lot and, but you know, his death was super impactful because I always kind of thought that when somebody takes their own life, it's because they don't feel loved. Um, that's, I've always believed that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that is not the case. A lot of times they, they just don't love themselves and that's that you can't do anything about that. Yeah. Like you can, you can try, you can medicate, you can get therapy, you know, you can work, you can work on it, but if they don't love themselves, there's a, it's really hard, man. It is really, but that's a tricky thing. And it goes, and so I, it goes back to the beginning of our conversation of taking up space because that's that, I'm not worthy of taking up space. So I just won't anymore. How full circle is this conversation? Yeah. So, so, so true. So true. It's so true. His, his funeral is one of the craziest things I've ever been to in my life. Uh, mm. Cause I, I, I was at Robin, I was at Robin Williams uh, funeral and played piano for his funeral. And wow. it was, uh, it was very, very sad. And, you know, it, it, you know, it was, he had a lot of great people there and a lot of people that really cared for him and all sorts of stuff, but, but different, uh, Brody's was like everyone that he had ever talked about on stage joked about, uh, he would make jokes saying, you know, I, I'm best friends with Bradley Cooper, you know, <laughs> like all this kind of stuff. He would just make all these jokes about, cause he'd been in the hangover. He would just joke about the stuff all the time. And then, then you're at the funeral and it's like surreal there's there's bradley cooper there's the cast of the hangover there's kimmel there's this one there's that one there's you know all the late night hosts there's the the new york yankees like they're all (laughs) there everyone was there and it was like this guy was so loved i mean it was hosted by zach galifianakis like his which was like his best friend yeah with all of that with all of those people loving and caring about you still still didn't work, still couldn't make it work. Yeah. And um, so what happened was, and this has happened with a few of the songs on this album that, that I'm uh, doing is, uh, you know, uh, you, you internalize this stuff and then, you know, this stuff, you know, these songs, these things, it, it's very emotional. And then I would sing the song and I couldn't get through the song. I would, I would break down while I would do it. And I'm like, well, that's fucking stupid. Like, I didn't write that. <laughs> it's not my song. I can't, I shouldn't be breaking down while I'm singing someone else's Who's song. Who's getting all upset over here? This is ridiculous. Oh, God, it was driving me crazy because I was like, I, I have to do this cover. I have to do it. It means something to me. It means, I, I, you know, and I, I'm now I'm emotionally connected to it, and right. I, I can't make it through the fucking song. <laughs> and um, I was sitting and playing the piano, and and then I realized I was like, well, okay, it's not much of a cover to do a piano song on the piano. Mm-hmm. That's kind of boring because I'm not going to play it as well or the same as the guy that wrote the song. And in the original track, it's just piano and him and a little drums. So I called Kendall from Big Time Rush, one of my 
one of my dearest you know friends in the world and i was like dude do you want to do this together and you can sing harmonies on it and and do guitar and play the pick it out on guitar and and play bass and do a little drum stuff and he was like yeah let me see what i can do and he created the track completely on his own and it's gorgeous and then he came back, gave it to me. I went in the studio and recorded it. And by doing it with Kendall, it brought some levity and some hope to something that was feeling pretty dark, if I'm yeah. being honest. Yeah. And it just, it made it, it made it so much better. And uh, it's like something um, was repaired. Like literally when you're yeah, talking it, about it. It balanced me out. Yeah. It balanced out the song because then it was like, yeah, it's a sad song, but it's also, you know, um, hopeful, hopeful, and and it's it's you know sweet that it's me and my boy doing this, and and all his fans were so excited, and it's done it's done very 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 well. It's coming up on twenty thousand spins on Spotify, which is really crazy. I can't and, even. Um, I love that so much. Yeah, and on uh, on TikTok, it's done, you know, hundreds of thousands of plays, and it's it's uh it's doing it's doing really well, and it's a really nice cover, and it you know, it, it also kind of like, you know, set me up nicely to be able to do some of the other stuff that I want to do. Like, yeah, so yeah, it was it was pretty it was pretty cool. It's been pretty cool. I can't wait. The next one, the next one coming out. I'm waiting on the the date right now. I think it's going to be the either the the eighth, the seventeenth, maybe of this mm-hmm. month. But I'm I'm uh it, it's crazy by Gnarls Barkley. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I posted the first twenty five seconds of it, and CeeLo retweeted it, and I don't know CeeLo. Which is you do now. <laughs> yeah, that was like a crazy honor. And then uh yeah, long long story short, uh I posted twenty-two seconds of it on TikTok and in a week and a half it has done over seven hundred thousand views and over three thousand hours of listening time to something that's twenty-two seconds long which is a, a, a ridiculous number. And I'm not, I'm not like with a label or anything. I'm doing this <laughs> yet. Yet. Yeah. But I mean, I'm like, I'm going to put it out on my own. I'll put it on out through the, through distro kit. And, uh, and, and I, I shot a music video for it, which was super fun. Um, God shooting him, even just doing something like that. Anytime you take one more step forward, you know, or take things a little more seriously. Yeah. You have to get your, you have to read. You gotta, you gotta, you know, stand tall and, and believe that you can do it and that it's not embarrassing. You're not going to embarrass yourself. And you're yep. like, you know, because, because you're like, well, you know, sure. I'm making songs, but then I see a music video and like, God, I feel like such a fucking idiot. But then I'm like, I'm like standing on a rooftop with a drone circling me on a rooftop singing the song in downtown Los Angeles. Well, clearly, and I mean, you're you too. I mean, Bono, Bono Junior, Jr. over here, right? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Pretty fun. 
I love fun. that so much. And I, I, I just want to let you know, I am seeing some songwriting in your future. So you need to put that journal next to your bed because I see Ooh. that for you. Really? I, I do. I'm telling you, because that's, that's, that's still in there brewing. That's over there up your heart. So I think that you need to just start jotting some stuff down. Cause it's, it's in there. I mean, you're like, I told you, you're, you're a Renaissance man. You're a writer. You're a doll. I'm not kidding. I, I'm not blowing smoke, dude. I'm telling Thank you. you. Thank you, Meredith. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. It would be, it would be, a, 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 yeah, something, something to consider for sure. Put that, for put sure. that journal next to your bed. I'm telling you when you wake up to start writing stuff down, I don't care if it makes sense. I mean, some of the best riffs of all times and best songs of all times were written in 30 seconds. So like, you never know when it's going to show up and you know, you, you don't want to squish it and go, Oh, that's also not my lane. Cause as we've seen today, you got a lot of lanes. It's okay to be a freeway. You know, yeah. it's okay. You're the All Los right. Angeles freeway. Well, yeah, I okay hope that like you, you don't have to be Mulholland Drive. You know, you don't <laughs> have to be one. You don't have to be a one-way street. No, you can be an entire freeway if you want to be. And I mean, it was so funny because, you know, and I and you probably come from like a normal background, just like I do, very normal. And and sometimes when you start stepping out and you start stepping out, the the people that you know the most, a lot of times you feel the most weird around by to, like who do you think you are? Like who right. who what why do you think that you can do this? And and the thing of it is, is like like you said, if you're not going to do it for you, no one else is going to do it. And sometimes it does feel weird. Sometimes you even think about yourself like, who do I think I am by having a podcast and having this awesome person on my podcast? Who do I think I am? And you know what? I had to talk myself off the ledge the other day because you and I got off the phone and I went downstairs and I'm folding towels. And I go, I told my husband, I go, I bet she doesn't think I'm folding towels after our phone call. But I'm like, own it, Meredith. Own it. You got this. You can do this, Meredith. You can do this. It's cool. <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's so awesome. I love that. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, uh, one of my best, one of my best friends, uh, my friend Mike, we were talking, and I said uh, th this very interesting conversation where he was like, "Hey, um, how's the music stuff going?" And I was like, uh, "Good." And he was like, "Yeah, I kind of noticed that you hadn't told me about it." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh." Yeah, and he was, uh, and then he was like, you know, like just because I, you know, I'm I'm not involved in it doesn't mean that like you have to like not talk to me about it. Like Aww. you can you can you can tell me when you're doing things, you know, Aww. even even if I'm not involved, you know. And I was like, oh, okay. And he was like, so you know, you don't have to feel shy that you're doing something that's different than the stuff that we do. You know, I was it's like, scary. yeah, I was like, it is, it's, it's nerve wracking to, to yeah. admit that you want to do something different, you know, it and uh, it, it was, but it literally took like a friend coming to me and being like, you know, you're being weird. You can tell me that we're. You know, that watch that, yeah, watch that Dolly Parton Netflix special. I watched her and. And, and I was always like, well, you're in this lane. You got to stay in this lane and you do this job and you can't swear. And then I'm like, wait, God wants me to be Meredith. 
with all my quirks and buttons and this. And I watched that Dolly Parton and she goes, I don't have a lane. I'm the lane. Like I'm going to be the biggest star that ever was, you know, and Dolly Parton, I mean, hello, you know, and I listened to her say that on that show. And I went, yeah, I don't even have a lane. I'm the lane. You're the lane. You do what you want to do. You yeah. do, yeah. My mom said to me last night, "Do you think it's okay if I wear uh, English riding boots if I'm not riding English on my horse? Mm-hmm. If I just want to ride Western, but I still want to wear the English boots?" And I was like, "What are you <laughs> fucking talking about?" I was like, "You wear whatever the hell you want." And right? she was like, "You're right. I am gonna do that." I was like, "Yeah." Who gives it? What, someone's going to give you shit for the kind of boots you're wearing? Kick them in the face, you know, from your horse. Kick them it. from the horse. From, you know? the, from the horse. Kick them in the face. People, no matter what age, what, what thing, man, they always, you know, people get insecure about all sorts of different kinds of stuff. You just have to. And, and no one's looking at you like they think that you think that, you know, it's all in your head. Like people are going to, and people are like, people aren't, they're worried about themselves. No yeah, one's no looking one. at the boots. Yeah, no one's, no. N- no one cares. We're, everyone's yeah. so worried about what they're doing next. You just got to be super fearless and, you know, go on LinkedIn and sing a song and get on TikTok and put your best face forward and, you know, reach out to the people and keep pushing and keep expressing and keep painting and keep talking and keep, you know, all of that stuff, you know, yeah, that's, absolutely. that's God and you kind of come out and being like, Come on, dude. Okay, he did it. We're going to give him more. And he did it. And we're going to give him more because he's doing it. And he's not giving up. And every time we give him something, he actually does it. And that guy over there, we give him the same shit. And he doesn't do it. Right. You bet. He doesn't do it. You bet. And so every time you show up and every time you push... And every time that your higher self and your, you know, your guides and your God and all that stuff shows up and goes, he's doing it. Keep giving him more. And then he gives back and then he does charity and then he does, you know, helps this person and that person. And, you know, he, he, he sends some, he just, he signs the back of a, of a fun painting because it means something. And I hope that you know that it does mean something, you know, to all of us that are starting out, you know, even though I'm. Just a wee bit older than you. <laughs> We're oh, still get some- out of here, Meredith. You're the coolest. This has been so fun. I so love. Fun. I love talking with you. Where are you based at? Well, I'm in Chicago, and like I said, I do expect you to oh. be a guest at the White Sox game as soon as we have some White Sox baseball. And Hell yeah. get behind home plate with me and wave to the camera and we can Gustavo it up in our t-shirts and I want to throw, I want to throw out a pitch. Oh. I love I, that was one of the best things ever getting to throw out that pitch at the Padre so game. Oh man. I had such a damn good time. That was the best. Well, as soon as I'll I saw that, that I was like, Oh yeah, he definitely has to come out, throw a pitch. You didn't even Baba Booey. It went right over the darn plate. It was pitcher perfect. But thank you so much for being here today. I so I appreciate every drop of time and and just you and just everything about you. I just love you so much. You have no idea. Just everything about you is everything. And I'm going to have everyone that's listening send you just so much positive energy and blessings and love and all that stuff. 
And so you're such an incredible person. Thank you so much for having me on the show and send, send my best to the family and, and stay in touch and I'll, I'll come out to Chicago real soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Stephen Kramer Glickman, TikTok famous, Instagram famous, TV show extraordinaire, you name it. Watch and listen to the Nighttime Show podcast. And I will see you guys all here next week. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect on a more personal level, head over to MeredithWillets.com or on Instagram at Meredith with a Y for behind-the-scenes footage and outtakes. Please subscribe and come back each week for more Meredith with a Y. Thanks again for listening. Cheers. Cheers.